Hi, I'm Lauren Simmons, the host of Money Moves. Every other Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, I'm using my experience as the youngest person ever to trade on the New York Stock Exchange to help you shift your money mindset. Money Moves is intended to help you make your financial future as bright as possible. This isn't a professional consultation. It's someone who's had financial success and wants to help you with yours. Have a question? Want to chat with me live? You can ask me your questions directly on the Spotify Live app. Just click on the link in our episode descriptions to head to the App Store and download for free today. Then follow Money Moves to get notified when our room is going live every other Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Hello, hello. Happy Wednesday. I am so excited to be here today and to have this conversation with you guys. How is everyone's new year? We are now mid-month of January, January 19th. I mean, this year is going by really, or not this year, but this month is going by really fast, uh, which is definitely really exciting. Uh, But definitely so grateful that you all are in the room today. We're going to have an incredible room with... A special guest today, uh, Gigi Robinson, who will be on shortly. Um, But overall, today's topic will be job interviews and salary negotiations. Um, I, of course, have to read my lovely disclaimer. Any discussion we have in this room does not constitute professional or financial advice. It's merely my opinions on what I think will work for you based on my experiences and research. Um, Yeah, so I'm so, so grateful for you all to join the room. And we definitely have an amazing people that, Gigi, who will be joining. Uh, So this week has been really interesting overall. Uh, It's Wednesday and I feel like I've already worked two weeks in one week. Um, This is what it's like to be uh, week two back from my little wellness off the grid vacation. Um, I, this week, am very excited that I was able to finally publicly launch my new TV series, Going Public, a streaming series on entrepreneur.com that we've been working on for the past uh, two years. The first episode launched yesterday and the feedback that I've been receiving has been amazing. So I wholeheartedly say to you all, uh, please go check it out. Uh, Understand more about what it means to invest in early stage startups Um, and I as well host that show. I'm just buying a little bit of time until Gigi comes on, but so excited to have her in the room. So yeah, but yeah, how is everyone else's week going? Please drop it down in the discussion box. Would love to hear uh, how your week is going before I dive into job interviews and salary negotiations. Pretty smooth so far. Thank you, Rashad. So yeah, uh, well, we're still waiting on Gigi. I'm wondering if I should just start. Hi. Hi, everyone who's in the discussion room. Love that everyone is here and joining and listening. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the discussion will definitely be, uh, you know, job interviews and salary negotiations. I will definitely have Gigi come on at some point to discuss who she is and why I wanted to have her come on and, you know, exploring, uh, you know, busting myths as a creator and a negotiator in negotiating. I see more people popping on, which is really exciting. Um, but I think for me, I really liked the room that we had last week with Cameron Brinks. And I kind of just wanted to kind of piggyback off of that last room because I thought that the discussion definitely needed uh, an extension, especially when we're talking about contracts or being a creator or even negotiating jobs, um, you know, in, in the marketplace. Um, 
but I think so we'll start with job interviews and networking overall. I think networking is your best friend, right? And you need it to, you know, get to the next stage in your career or transition uh, throughout your career or um, any of the above. Networking gives you accessibility to many different things. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you all rate yourself when it comes to networking? Drop it down in the discussion box. Would love to hear. Um, I think for me, I'm a six, but I guess it depends if we're talking about in person or online. Um, I online, I would say I'm an 8.5 and online meaning like doing cold outreach, uh, speaking, you know, literally emailing people on LinkedIn, um, fly by me slow. You're a four. Damien, you're a 6.5. Um, but in person, yeah, I would definitely say I'm a six. I do believe Gigi is here. So I'm going to try to bring her on and ask her, you know, what is her overall uh, skill? Hey, Gigi, I'm so excited for you to be joining the room today. Hey, hey, hey. Happy. Is it hump day? <laughs> it is hump day yes amazing oh no daniel says he's a zero as far as what his what he would rate himself when it comes to networking why daniel put put it in i'm really oh. i'm really i'm really curious well but Gigi, first mm-hmm. thank you for joining the room tonight um i also am very can you give a brief introduction of who you are and I can explain a little bit why I wanted you on the show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you were asking people about what they would rate themselves with networking. I would say I'm probably like a good 8.5. Like I definitely have more to learn because I'm only 23 and I'm just out of college, but I do love networking. Don't get me wrong. Um, So I'm going to go with that 8.5. But my name's Gigi. In person. Oh, sorry, Gigi. In person and online? Or both? I'm. Yeah, I'm really like, you know, I go to like one of those conferences, like, I don't know, like blog her or, you know, create and cultivate or whatever. And I'm literally the girl going up to the other girls being like, hey, want to take photos together? Oh, what do you do? Or like going up to the booths like, oh, hey, can we work together? Whatever. And then you never know what comes out of that. But um, anyhow, to anybody listening, that's like, what the hell is this girl talking about? I'm a content creator. Um, I started working in social media uh, in 2017. And I think everything's kind of just fallen together since then. Um, I started because I actually am a photographer traditionally and videographer. And I wanted to tell stories and shoot content for brands. And one day I stepped in front of the camera and made a super viral video um, for my social media club at school. It got around 700,000 views on Facebook at the time, which is like, you know, I don't know who gets, who goes viral on Facebook anymore. So it was like a big deal. Um, And then I was like, wait, I can actually do this. So then I started working with different brands and everything. And now I'm, you know, where I am today. And thankfully, uh, Green Room has brought us together. So I came across Gigi uh, quite a few weeks ago um, or a few months ago launching my podcast and I was on the Green Room app and she was actually the first room that I went into and I listened in and just try to get a feel of what, you know, Green Room was and how it brings us all together and we connected online Yay, the power of social media. And yeah, we've kind of been in touch ever since in the back of my mind. I've been like, yeah, she would definitely be a great uh, guest to be on the show. And I'm so grateful that you decided to to come um, beyond tonight. Um, oh but I thank you anytime, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, I think for me, to your point, it is online, like going up to anyone, like doing cold outreach definitely took practice, but now it's so easy, easy nature to just blast out as many emails as possible. Um, Doing my research, really utilizing LinkedIn to the best advantage uh, that I feel like you can, even as a content creator, but certainly in the traditional workspace. It's how I ultimately ended up networking, getting my job at the New York Stock Exchange. Um, I think something that I'm still working on, especially in person, 
is highlighting myself more and like mm-hmm. not and being able to to essentially showcase my accomplishments, aka brag, because that's what I feel mm-hmm. like it is. But people want to hear if you've recently been promoted or if you what kind of degrees you have or what school you went to or who you know and if you've had a really cool internship. Um, and so when I'm in person, that's definitely a lot more hard for me to do, um, unless someone introduces me, uh, but I, I don't shy away from it. You know, I practice makes perfect. And yeah, I truly do believe, uh, networking is your best friend. Um, do you have any tips for networking before I start running off, um, <laughs> tips that I have for networking. And if anyone in the discussion room has tips as well, please type them below in the chat box. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that um, on the note of self-promotion that I think at first it can be very, very uncomfortable if you're not used to promoting yourself in a world where we live in social media, you kind of have to vouch for yourself and get used to pitching yourself. Um, I think this is the same for most people who are freelancers or maybe who are consultants or work at a small firm, right? Like you're constantly putting yourself out there and you have your elevator pitch. So my Honestly, this might sound crazy to some people, but I literally like stare in the mirror and I elevator pitch myself quite often when nobody's home or when the door's closed and someone's vacuuming or whatever around the house. Like, I don't want anyone to hear me but me. And I master, I master my body language. I look at that. And this is for in person and on Zoom because believe it or not, people are getting better at reading body language on Zoom and in videos nowadays. So, that's super important to note. The other thing is recently, and by recently, I mean like the first week of December, I actually went to like my first real kind of, I think, in-person networking situation that I'd been in in a while. Um, And that was because I was in Miami for Art Basel. And that was absolutely insane. And I think the the biggest lesson there was, again, like self-promotion, but also asking other people about what they do and learning about it because the key to authentic relationships is continuously like dancing back and forth and being like, oh, how are you doing? Like, what do you do? Oh, that's so cool. This project I'm working at actually relates to that. Or like, I would actually love to learn about that. Or maybe there's some synergy between us, right? That's like the big 2021 words, like synergy. So um, really playing into that and doing it genuinely. And then like remembering or, uh, you know, sending out like a little gift after or a note card, just saying like, thank you or follow up the day later, the week later, like all of those things have been super, super fundamental as I have built my network as a young professional. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And there were quite, there were a few that I I definitely um, agree with of like networking and definitely being your most authentic self. Um, I would say my top five tips and to your point, Gigi, is like getting outside of your comfort zone. I think the more practice you have by being uncomfortable, the more comfortable you will get. And that's really where um, you will see the biggest gains and growths. I The number two tip is network with people in all industries. You have no idea who mm-hmm. people know. Um, and so don't get too, you know, laser focused on, I have to speak to someone in this particular industry, yeah. like be open and, and speak really to any and everyone. Um, also make a lasting impression, which really goes back to authenticity and doesn't mean that you have to be over the top, um, especially when we're in this uh, digital world where being over the top or standing out is being over the top. It really is being your true authentic self and um, and people will always remember people who, you know, are genuine and authentic and um and that's easily read. And then, of course, follow up, right? When you meet a person, send a follow-up meet, meeting after the encounter. Don't get too attached if they don't follow up with you. It's more of planting your seeds, doing your part. And whatever is meant to be will be. But you, you, you know, met that person halfway. If they want to respond, they will. If they don't respond, also don't um, get too offended by that either. People are busy. People Hmm. are forgetful. People are human, right? So it is, uh, 
okay if people don't follow up. And yeah, and then also the other tip for for networking, don't immediately go in for an ask. Like Mm -hmm. people, I think, get really excited. Oh my goodness, if I got this certain person in front of me, you know, this is what I would say in, you know, two seconds of meeting a person, you know, asking for a job or asking, can you introduce me to this other person? Like, no, I think people are more enamored and flattered if you ask questions about themselves and you uh, talked about that early, Gigi. Um, and, you know, what is their interest? How do they get into the career that they're in today? Um, what are they doing today? And kind of just go from there, like building that normal uh, relationship, I think is really, really helpful. Yeah, I think that's honestly one of the biggest mistakes college students or high school students make because they're simply just like unseasoned and they they don't have anybody who's taught them any of this like they're just gonna go and like you know shoot their shot in a way that kind of rubs someone the wrong way but I have actually found that especially if you are a student or a recent grad or you know you're just I don't know like if you're in the like explain who you are basically um Mm -hmm. a lot of times if I've reached out in the past I've said hi I'm a student at USC or even in high school I was like I'm a student at LaGuardia High School Performing Arts like I'm super eager to learn more about you and your career journey um and how you know I could potentially learn from you and when you go at the aspect of learning which was like completely genuine I did just want to learn at the time um Mm -hmm. people are more willing to be like oh I actually do have a position for you or I'll make a position for you or we could use the extra hands like people want to pay it forward in life because they want that significance right (laughs) like they want to feel valued and that they're teaching someone and paying it forward um other times it's it's just people's jobs to like, you know, hire you and whatnot. But um, again, I just think it's like all about the way that you do it and making sure, like you're saying that it's not just a one-time thing. It's like a follow-up. It's um, a thank you note. It's a, oh, wow, I saw you posted this thing, like looks super cool. Would love to, you know, catch up six months from now or a year from now, see how you're doing. And those are the relationships where people are going to help you no matter what. And then hopefully, when you move on to bigger and better things, you'll be able to pay it forward the same way. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, So kind of transitioning a little bit, we're going to be talking about job interviewing, but also pitching because I, I want to acknowledge that there are definitely content creators in here or people who are trying to be entrepreneurs or people who are in a traditional job setting. And let me first start off by saying job pitching, job interviewing, Um, All of it is all the same, right? You are constantly being a salesperson for yourself. And um, I feel like the experiences, whether you're going in for your first job interview ever, going in for a job interview that, you know, will promote you or transition, or you're pitching a show, an idea, or pitching to, you know, raise money for your company. I feel like across the board, it's all the same. So I'm going to throw this at you, Gigi. Can you tell Mm me either about your first job interview ever or tell me or talk to me about um, any pitching, your first pitching experience as a content creator? Okay. Okay. Just gathering my thoughts. So first first job interview, um, I was probably 15 years old. I think in New York State, to be able to legally work, you had to be 16. And I was 15 at the time. And it was like super scary and like potentially under the rug here. So uh, can't go back in time now. But I was kind of like literally, like I said before, so eager to put myself out there that I hit up all of these different photo studios in the Upper West Side because I was going to uh, high school on the Upper West Side. So I figured, okay, like hopefully I could do this after school or on the weekends and it's not that far out of the way. It's a familiar neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. And I just like hit them up, emailed them and was like, hi, I'm super interested in like learning from you. Is there any way I could like interview you for a class project? And I did this trick in college multiple times uh, because you go in and you've researched that person, right? And after you've researched them, you have all this knowledge and you're able to kind of curate a list of questions of things that you're actually curious about that don't exist on the internet. And this has carried me to where I am today because 
without that research and without that knowledge, you can't play into other people's like uh, into other people's lives. And you it's again, it's about like the dance. So anyway, I, I did that and I met with like the CEO. I remember I was so nervous. I used to get super clammy, like on my hands. Um, and yeah, I guess they ended up giving me the job and I worked with them for a little while. And, uh, while I was pretty much all of high school, so I think it was like two years or something. And then, uh, my first pitching experience as a content creator, I don't really remember, but I think nowadays it's certainly evolved and it includes, again, a lot more specificity because without that, you don't, you don't really have anything to build a relationship on, right? Like you're just throwing yourself out there versus if I'm like tailoring an email, let's say it's for Capri Blue Candles, I can say, hey, Susie, let's pretend Susie's the PR manager or the whatever, Mm -hmm. the social manager. Um, You know, I saw this post uh, of the pink, you know, Capri Blue Candles that you're doing for Valentine's Day. Um, I really, really love them. They're like my top, favorite scent. Um, and I absolutely loved the, like this post and then link that post and then just be like, I have a couple ideas in mind to collaborate together. Um, I also attached my brand back in case you're interested, looking forward to potentially, you know, hearing back from you. Um, like, let me know if I can answer any questions for you. And then you've basically by sending that, by linking something that they've done, you open a conversation about their work. And then you can insert yourself after. So yeah, that's what I would do now. Um, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that and being so detailed. Um, <laughs> I, I really do. I kind of, I'm trying to think my first job interview, uh, I'm pretty sure was with McDonald's because that was my first job ever. And it kind of was a blur, but I do remember getting the, the job right after the interview. Um if my mom was listening, she would probably have a lot more input, but I really don't remember. <laughs> and then as far as uh, pitching goes, I guess it has been a little bit more recent um, as uh, as an entrepreneur. And um, the best way is like, again, what is the value add that you can give to a company? Highlighting who you are and what your accomplishments are. I just remember being so narrow like laser focus on um, all the details of what, you know, what could potentially, you know, what I could talk about in a pitch meeting. I don't remember what my actual first pitch meeting was because I think there was a series of them. But I think after the fourth, I just remember exhaling and someone just saying, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Like This is the process. It's going to be okay. Don't get too focus on if again kind of with networking if you get an answer if they say no don't take it personal um oftentimes it's a hundred percent of the times it's nothing personal and um as long as you like have a strong uh through line of who your identity is what it is that you're trying to pitch um it really doesn't matter and um, don't try to accommodate or you know don't try to change your pitch or your job interview um, on how you think the person interviewing or the people in the room are listening to tailor to make them happy. Um, you just have to, I, I honestly think, just be authentically yourself and kind of just go from there. But um, and and whatever happens next happens next. Um, have you ever done badly on a pitch, Gigi, or on a job interview? Um I mean, I should probably humble myself and say yes, because obviously I'm not perfect and there's been jobs I haven't gotten. Um, I think also something to note is that I graduated college a year ago in 2020. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been remote basically since the beginning of 2020. So almost two years and any job that I have interviewed for besides the internships I've interviewed for have been remote interviews. And I think it's a little bit hard to gauge that kind of uh, experience of really doing that um, in person. But when I was, you know, interviewing in college, I was 
for sure, like the overachiever gal. Like I always was the one that came with three copies of my resume and cover letter printed, stapled in folders. Um, I would bring uh, like two portfolio items with me, like a book and a small portfolio of my my work um, and my social accounts or uh, today's equivalent of that would probably be like my 25 page media kit. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I just think there are definitely times where I don't land things or I don't hear back from someone. And part of that is like also... I think the art of the follow-up, right? Like if you don't hear from them, like you said, don't take it personally, but life happens and you just kind of have to like go with it. And if you don't get an opportunity, like I think there were a couple of times I had phone interviews for like Universal Music Group or, and like, I thought it went really well when I was trying to intern for them. And Mm -hmm. I never, I just never heard from them again. Like I got through three interviews and then it was like nothing else. So I think- Just being okay with that is hard, but the right opportunity is going to come along. And I think and someone also said in the comments earlier, um, sorry, like I'm I'm reading through now, like you, the learning experience and the growth that you get from it. And um, and really, it's just becoming more comfortable with practicing. Daniel did ask um, earlier and I see in the, the discussion room when discussing starting salary wage. How does one navigate negotiating the amount if you've already done research on the average or median salaries and feel the amount is under that range? I will answer that because I know <laughs> you have a lot of questions for me when it comes to negotiating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll quickly answer Daniel's question. I'll wrap up this topic and then we'll we'll dig into negotiating because I think it's such a fun fun topic. But as far as Daniel, to answer your question, yes, I don't think that the internet is 100% accurate of what salaries are. I think, you know, you'll get the median, you might get the average, you'll definitely have people online submitting. But I know even previous jobs that I've had, there have been outrageous salaries that I'm like, uh, no one at this company is making that. So not, not even sure where they're getting their numbers from. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if you feel like that amount is under that range, what I would say, um, you know, there are definitely a few tips when it comes to negotiating. Definitely have a clear number in your head of what you think that number is based off of your research. And honestly, even if it's not, I mean, yes, you should take the research, but if you feel like your number is whatever your number is and you feel like that is what your number is, then ingrain that in your head and that is what the number is as long as it's not something you know extremely Mm -hmm. outrageous but I I do believe um that uh at the end of the day if you throw out a number and a client customer or your job says that they want to pay you that number then that's just what it is I I there's no wrong or right. It could be completely above the average. It could be completely below the average because I've been in experience as well where I've had a jobs completely below the average, but I was happy. Obviously, I probably didn't negotiate for that, but I was happy with those numbers and I kind of just went from there. But we will dive into that. Let me wrap up this segment as far as uh, interview tips. I would say a pro interview, a pro um, interview pitching tip. Um, I think it's less about, and I know I talk about, you know, self-promoting, doing humble brag and highlighting all your accomplishments, but it really is less about that, less about what's on your resume in the traditional job setting, but more about you as the individual person. I believe relationship building is everything. Um, your resume does hold some value. Your credentials do hold some worth, but I have definitely seen people get hired for jobs that have had no experience whatsoever. I've seen people get jobs created for them, uh, with no experience whatsoever. I've seen people, you know, get a title of producer on a project and never produced before. And I really do believe at the end of the day, it comes from that relationship building, connecting with the individual person. Um, and yeah, and then and then just kind of rounding off like what all the things that we just talked about, 
practice, 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 go for low stakes um, companies or jobs that you're interviewing for so you could practice. And then if there is a high target company that you're looking for, you would have built up your confidence in practicing that pitch. And then once you get in front of the, the company that you really want to get in front of, you'll be at a really good place uh, to ace that interview or pitch or et cetera. And again, if you don't hear anything afterwards, because yes, to your point, Gigi, I've definitely walked away from um, interviews. I did something the other day and I literally have not heard a word back, but mm-hmm. it's okay. You move forward. Cause you know, I know I showed up and did my best and you can't take it personal. You have no idea what's going on on the other side. If they already had another candidate, if they are looking to go in a completely different direction. There's so many what ifs that you can't really get your mind too wrapped up around that. Um, And then, yeah, so so understanding non-attachment to what the outcome will be, I think we'll be able to help um, not create disappointment. But now we are going to definitely get into negotiating. (laughs) And I know, Gigi, before we came into the room, you said you had a lot of questions for me. So please fire off as many as possible uh, okay. within our 30 minutes left of time. <laughs> okay. So sh- do you want me to do them one by one or all together? I should do them one by one. It would be one by one. if I did yeah. it all together. Okay. And then um, there are so, a few that I also, sorry, Gigi, that I yeah. also have from Instagram that um, yeah. people ask me today. Um, okay. So I definitely want to try to get some of those, but yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely. Okay. okay. So as a Gen Zer, um, I feel like, a lot, but the discussions that I've been having with a lot of people looking for jobs, whether that was in college or, you know, post-grad now, or maybe they're in grad school or whatnot, um, are really nervous to advocate for themselves when it comes to negotiating, because right now it feels like a lot of companies are just willing to find the next person who's going to do that job for less. So what kind of words of encouragement or advice would you give to the younger generation entering the workforce? Well, what I would say is I don't think that they would do it for less because salaries are going up because inflation is, has, you know, gone up. Um, And I think that we can see from all the incredible headlines that are everywhere, the great resignation are happening. So there is definitely a smaller pool of candidates um, applying for these jobs. And I think they're actually throwing incentives out left and right to be able to recruit or get people to come to companies in the traditional sense. Um, So, you know, don't ever be nervous to advocate for yourself. No one else is going to advocate for you, right? So you have to, um, the reality is workers are a commodity right now. And so you have to be willing to put pen to paper what is your ask? What is your bottom line? What things that you are not willing to negotiate at all? What are things that you can, you know, do, do less with? Um, I think as far as like entry level jobs, right, you know, this is the best time for entry level employees to be looking for a job um, and ask for what you want and be unapologetic about it um, within reason. Like don't go into a job that I guess pays 80,000 and asking for like 300,000 and a hundred vacation days or anything crazy like that, but ask within reason um, and definitely go from there. Um, yeah. Okay. That was super, super helpful. Thank you. Um, okay. I want to ask a question about being a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the times creators have, um, there's either kind of like two buckets of content creators nowadays. There's the ones that are repped by agencies and the ones that aren't repped by agencies. And um, I have a lot of discussions with people on my social pages as well about figuring out what kind of budget we need to, you know, sustain our business as content creators. So how do you recommend that that specific niche or just like anyone in general kind of learns negotiation skills without having the resources of an agent or maybe like an MBA background? Okay, I will answer that. Alex, I also see your question. So I promise we will answer your question next after this, after Gigi's question. First, can I just like debunk the myths of like agents and like <laughs> please, what, please. Like I feel like 
every stage of my life and I'm grateful for all of it, whether it's getting verified on Instagram or be able, being able to get, you know, some of the, the press or the opportunities that I've gotten. And by the way, I've never hired a PR firm for people that want to know, um, as well as getting the opportunity to have my management team. Just because you have all those people in your pocket does not mean that um, they one are the best negotiators. They have your best interests, but that that doesn't always mean that they know what you should be throwing out. Again, I really truly believe like you have to advocate for you and ask for what you want. Um, and that means you know sometimes going to heads with your team, but also realizing that just because you get these opportunities on you know for people on the outside looking in thinking like, oh my goodness, you know, she's been in Forbes or this person, you know, got a brand deal or this person got verified on Instagram. And Gigi, I'm sure you could speak to that. Like it doesn't change your life. You still have to put in the work. You still have right. to pitch. You still have to negotiate. Um, but it does, I guess, to the the world gives more credibility when you are put on those different platforms. But it definitely is not the end all be all. And how do I recommend to answer your question? Um, negotiating without the resource of an agent. Know your number. Again, pen to paper. What is your number? What is your ask? Um, especially in the content creator space, people, there is no set number as far as like how much you can make off of TikTok, how much you can make off of Instagram, how much you can make off of partnering, you know, with different platforms, like there is no set number. You you make the number. If the client or customer wants to say yes, then I guess that's your new number. Period. I have I have thrown out numbers to people, and they are like, "How is that even possible? Like that's you know insane." Um, off of I guess people who you know have significantly more followers than me on social media. So your number is your number. Keep that number to your heart. And, and that will be that. Also realize when it comes to content creators, like corporate companies will hire content creators. So don't be afraid to work uh, for someone um, that is in the traditional mindset. Um, there is a direction that they definitely could tap into, tap into and, and utilize uh, and, and understand the value add that mm-hmm. you can bring to the table. Um, yeah. And then as far as as far as um, negotiating or, you know, the best thing, remember, I talked about earlier is relationship building. So make sure you have a visual presence and also direct contacts to people who can reach you like people, especially with a lot of the projects that I'm on. I tell a lot of you up front that you have access to me directly, usually my email, not my phone number, because I would be glued to my phone. But I want Mm -hmm. them to know that they are not just going through my team, that they can actually have a conversation with me. And I've kept the same mindset even before I had a team. Um, And I think, again, authenticity, being genuine, people having, you know, accessibility to you within reason um, is everything. And so I just wouldn't get too much too tied up into agent, not agent. If there is someone that is part of your team, um, especially in the content creating creative world, creator world, it would always be a lawyer because mm-hmm. I have definitely signed some bad, not, not something, just one bad bill that <laughs> still haunts me. And the best thing that I could have done is gotten a lawyer, but also assess where you are at currently today in your life, like lawyers, agents, managers, et cetera, et cetera. Those all are a cost and and typically take a commission off of your deals. If you're not bringing in that much money or enough money to be able to share your deal money with, then it wouldn't make sense to bring those people on. You just have to be a little bit more strategic and a little bit more, uh, tapped in when you're doing these, when you're, when you're doing these deals. Mm-hmm. While you were talking, I was thinking of another question actually, which I, I didn't prepare. So this is a, this is a random GG surprise question. So I hope that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were talking about the way that companies are starting to hire content creators. And I think that this is a really 
big, interesting trend, especially for young content creators or really anyone that, you know, can become an influencer overnight and get hired by a corporate company. Now, um, Mm -hmm. negotiation is kind of interesting and subjective, like you're saying, because there is such a range of creators, a photographer um, or a creator that's verified with the same amount of following as you is probably going to get paid a little bit more, right? So, or, or that, or so you would think, um, and when a company hires you to kind of create for them, you have to think about it because if they're paying you kind of by salary or hourly, instead Mm -hmm. of by per, per video or per, per asset, you can Mm -hmm. actually lose a lot of money. Um, I didn't know that that was something that I could look into when I was working at this one startup, um, called Mm -hmm. likewise. And it was, you know, I was just looking to, to work and to create TikToks and be in a corporate social media role at like a startup. Um, so that's what it was. And it was so much more than just shooting videos. It was also like managing a content schedule, planning it, um, project managing, coming up with a month of ideas. And then on top of that, shooting organic content for a brand and reaching out to certain influencers and coordinating with them and realizing they were getting paid like my like double my entire month's salary that I'm working in-house for as a mm-hmm. creator. And I'm like, this is so infuriating. So I think in the near future, there's going to be a lot of different, um, I think, conversations around creators in the workplace and what that means. And also how does one negotiate from that, that idea of a deliverable versus an hourly rate for creating it? Yeah. And I think that that, um, I, I know a lot of people early on who, um, a family friend, I guess he like is, is struggling with that because I'm like, okay, they want him to be on a project, not just doing one single standalone uh, video, they want him to be on board for six months and editing and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, that is going to look a lot differently. So, you know, how you will look at that is like assess what your hourly rate is. And then, you know, times that by five days a week, if you're working five days a week. And then if there are other fees associated with that, your editing rates or producing rates or, you know, then you add that on top of that. So really you should always get paid for what your time is. Um, and then ask what is expected before you even agree, because a lot of times people like to tap on things, you know, while you're in the middle of a project and it's like, wait, this is way bigger than what we initially signed up for and get everything in writing. Please get everything in writing because that is going to be, you know, your contract, that is going to be your deal. That's going to be black and white, something you can always go back to if they try to, um, not take advantage, but definitely try to go beyond what what the initial ask is. And that's the same if you're in the role of having a job, right? You want to, whatever your job title is and what you should be doing within that job, you should be doing that. But I do want to get to Alex's question. Is there ever situations where you should definitely not negotiate your salary? Uh, I don't know. I feel like you should always be negotiating, whether it's entry level and by the way, you negotiating salary doesn't always have to be monetary, right? It could be in a traditional job sense. It could be um, helping, you know, paying some of your student loans off, uh, contributing more to your retirement, um, you know, getting stock, getting equity in the company. It could be uh, more days off from work. It could be, it doesn't always have to be money, but I feel like, as long as you bring something to the table, I think people will will stop a, a minute and say, oh, like, wow, like I'm impressed that they have something to even offer, especially I think in and well, not even an entry level. I think in all jobs, like you're not just taking what is being offered. You you're coming to the table of an ask and, you know, having something. So, yeah, I, I do think that there is always room to negotiate and and just try something, I do believe, because I think it'll stop and turn heads and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, Okay, we don't have much more time. So do you have, (laughs) I'm sure you have so many more questions, but... 
Wait, um, actually, sorry, Gigi. I yeah. also had a question earlier off of Instagram from Kevin okay. Lamar One. Um, and one of his questions was to me, if your initial counter offer is rejected, what should be your next step? I am a true believer of just because your offer is rejected doesn't mean that you just settle. Remember, like I said earlier, like write pen to paper on what your absolute yeses are, what you're not going to be flexible on, and then things that you can compromise a little bit more on. I honestly think if you go into a company or traditional, not traditional, whatever, and people are unwilling to negotiate if they're using terminology of that's just not within the budget or we can't do this, we can't do that. To me, that just sounds like a red flag. Like there's nothing that you can offer me. You can't even offer me, you know, a banana once a week. I'm just throwing out something really silly, but there's nothing additional to me, then what is the the relationship going to look like going forward? And that could be really, really tough. I think, you know, there should be, it's negotiating. Like it's not in yeah. all be all. So there should be something that can be compromised um, on the right. other party's side. And maybe they won't always meet you half or all the way in the middle. You also want to look at the value add. The exposure, I hate that word, but it does have its point, like the exposure of like what you can get out of it, the experience that you can get out of it and like what what is going to be the value added for you Um, and, you know, and then take it from there. But if they are unwilling, I'm telling you now to give you anything um, and in a negotiating room, then they will always be unwilling to uh, budge going forward. Like that really just sets the tone um, with that initial negotiating offer now and the future. Yeah, I also think it's um, I think that's a perfect segue into another question I had, which is the mm-hmm. whole concept or the idea of are you willing to walk away? Like, what is that attitude when you go? Like, how important is that when you walk into a negotiation? Yeah, um, I will answer that. But I just want to get a room check. How are you guys feeling about some of these questions and the answers I'm giving? Are they helpful? Are Is it making um, some of you guys think a little bit more about your day to day? But uh, yeah, definitely drop it in the, the discussion uh, chat box below to hear. Oh, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. Just just wanted to get a check on the room. Um, but as far as, yeah, my thoughts of walking away, sometimes it hurts. And I have definitely walked away and I'm like, oh, but you have to be committed to what your decision is. But I'm more committed to myself knowing what I put to pen to paper, knowing what my ask was than, um, than, than a company or a partnership that was unwilling to budge for me at all, because I think I know for a fact it would save me from, it would save me a headache in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also have to be realistic and realize like, depending on your circumstances, everybody can't afford to walk away. And that is where you need to have your exit strategy, which we will definitely dive deep into that in a future episode of like, you know, kind of deep diving into the great resignation, when to walk away, all that fun stuff. But uh, for the purpose of the show today, um, have that in the back of your mind. Okay, um, I'm in this deal. It is what it is. Um, I need to be putting my exit strategy together and looking for my next opportunity mm-hmm. and and kind of just go from there. But I, I think, yeah, bet on you, know who you are, have a true um, identity, know what you are willing to compromise and not compromise on and um, and walk away if need be like you. You have yeah. your power. Yeah. I have one last question for you, if it's OK. Yeah, no, go okay. ahead. <laughs> my my one last question is what would be your advice to somebody starting out with their first job in terms of negotiating? Do they go in to negotiate at six months, one year in, two years in, et cetera? What happens if their role changes and you know they're doing the same kind of work? I've had actually multiple friends that are in you know, their first jobs out of Mm -hmm. college and Mm -hmm. 
they basically within three months have had their role change to either be more work or a higher level, but their pay range has stayed the same because it's quote unquote just a part of the job or it happens to everyone. Um, so oh my what, gosh, yeah. we are so beyond that. No, at what yeah. point? Six months too mm-hmm. late. At the time that you get the offer, you negotiate because that also gives essentially a vibe check of the organization and who you're working mm. for. If they're not willing to, but again, budge early on anything compromise mm. on anything then that's gonna that really is gonna dictate what that future will look like yeah. so even if it's as small as saying i want two extra vacation days right like we're not asking about additional salary we're not asking about additional money um or anything anything saying, can you donate like 20 bucks to my local charity, just throwing anything out on the table to see if they will say yes. Um, you get it, you get a check and, and, and I'm, you know, the charity thing could be serious, could be not, but like, just see. And, um, and then as far as companies that, you know, it's part of the job or, you know, your, your role changes again, what even is that? Like you, <laughs> your your time is your value and Mm -hmm. vice versa. And so you should not be doing anything. I feel like more now when you're within reason, right? Like you want to show that you can grow and like you're, you're willing to take on new tasks and be adaptable and flexible and all that fun stuff, which is true. Right. But it shouldn't be causing you so much of a headache that your role has completely changed entirely. Um, and that's that's just where I stand on that. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I think when you were saying it, like just like when your role changes, period, right? Like you're yeah. if your role changes out of something that isn't in writing and there's not any writing going on that it changes, then of course it's kind of like doing work like under the rug, right? Like I yeah. mean, to, like not actually because you're yeah. with the company. No, I but get it. Yeah. yeah. I just, but especially when you don't have anything in writing, like make sure yeah. everything is in writing. And I mean that right. on the content creator side. I mean that in a traditional job setting, like everything needs to be in black and yeah. white so you can hold people accountable. I'm like, <laughs> hey, no, like, yeah. and this is like, you're out to say, this is not what we signed up for. Mm. If you want to add these additional things, whether in the traditional setting or whether as a yeah. content creator, entrepreneur, or whatever. Uh, this is what that's worth (laughs) and, um, and know that there will be additional costs that will be incurred. And I think the earlier that you can practice that and understand what your value is and, um, the better and easier it is. And don't get too afraid if someone says, you know what, we're walking away from you maybe that's a blessing in disguise because it was probably, you know, getting a little too, uh, the waters were getting too muddy. Um, but yeah, learn the business, uh, business acumen is key. It's everything. Yeah. I love that. Um, are we good on questions? What's any, what's, how's the chat doing? Do we got chat's doing good? No, everyone is just, you know, really loving the advice that we have and, you know, I'm really taking, they're taking these negotiating tips to heart because, you know, people are bad at them. But I I think it really does take like practice and confidence. And again, like negotiations are scary, but yeah, um, it is what it is. And another helpful tip that I often give people is like when you're looking up to your next job, not on the content creator side or even on the content creator side, and you're looking to get a a raise, um, uh, and pay. Or even like a new contract. Yeah. I always say 5,000. Like that's like my base number of like practice throwing out. If your salary is 60,000, throw out 65,000. If your contracting deal, like I just always add 5,000 because yeah, it's a lot, but it's also little. And it's like such a number that you can, I feel like is comfortable enough to like wiggle and, 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 you know, talk yourself through and kind of go back and forth. And then the more practice you can get, you can start raising that number from five to 10 to mm-hmm. 15 and so on and so forth. Thousand. Yeah. But yes. And then if, and then of course, like with job interview interviewing, like the other thing that you could do is, you know, practice of course, but um, 
with the salary, with the $5,000 thing, do a low stakes job or a low stakes stakes gig that you, you know, are not too worried if you don't get and throw out that additional $5,000 number. I really think um, it's helpful. It's like helped my families well, a lot. Like I'm like, you can do it. And I'm like, you should be asking for way more, but like, let's start with 5,000 and you know, they get out of their comfort zone and yeah, I've, I've seen like family members yeah. ask, you know, for big jumps and leaps in their salaries yeah. from like 60, like 60,000, like something crazy. And I'm like, oh. and we started at small baby steps of right? 5,000, which is so sweet. And um, it's kind of interesting because like, I think, we hear this quote, like the biggest growth happens outside of our comfort zone. Right. And like, even even when that comes to negotiating or putting yourself out there, like it's the same thing, like doing your first presentation in school, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know about all y'all, but like, I used to be so nervous to do it and I would get clammy and, you know, my skin would still get blotchy. And then, you know, this past year, literally a few months ago, I was speaking on a stage at the Grammy museum and like, I was like, okay, Gigi, just deep breaths. It's just a conversation. Like you're learning, just read the room, right? Like read the room, get good at that. And it comes over time, right? Like you just figure it out and things will just get easier. So anyway, that's, that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that. It is true. And then someone else had some advice in there. 10 to 15% is usually what I go with, with asking for a raise. Again, it depends on what kind of job you're, you're coming from like, and I know like my story isn't everyone's story, but again, I was working at the New York Stock Exchange making $12,000. So a 10% raise was not going to be enough. But once I found out the marketplace of what my other colleagues were making 120,000 plus, I solidified in my mind 120,000. Now I I went for it. I didn't do the 5,000% or a $5,000 jump because that would have gotten me still below minimum wage in New York City. But I was so confident. And that's another thing. When you throw out a number, people can read the room. They can feel that confidence. And they're like, okay, if this girl is asking for, you know, a salary of 120,000 and she's this confident, she must be making 120,000. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if your rate is whatever your, your, your hourly rate is and you're confident and you throw that number out, no one's going to question your number. They're going to say, okay. And some of them will come back to you and say, um, how, how, you know, we really want you. How can we, you know, negotiate to get closer to that number or, you know, let us move around some of the budgeting of this department so we can get to that number to be able to afford you. It, it, it speaks volumes. So you have to be comfortable to be able to throw out that number, which is why I think the $5,000 um, tip can, can be helpful. Yeah, that is super helpful. I feel like, um, a lot of creators and a lot of also uh, people at yeah, potential partners um, may definitely lean into objections when it comes to that fee to begin with, right? Like, yeah, um, obviously, like a creator with you know a very small audience charging that, people might be like, "What?" But then yeah. you're like, "Oh, well, it includes you know maybe two years of usage rights, right?" And like mm-hmm. maybe the things that that make up that five thousand dollars over time are yeah. going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's kind of like just interesting to think about. And the way that you learn about those things is by researching and talking to other creators. So having more conversations like this, where we are talking about pay transparency and tips Mm -hmm. to negotiating is going to be the way that we create a more sustainable economy for anybody that's um, interested in it. Hello, we're in the money moves room. Oh, yes. Always (laughs) be talking about salary, honestly, because the only way to be able to know what other, especially when you're in spaces where these salaries aren't public or these hourly rates aren't public, we should be having these open conversations so you get an idea of, okay, this is how much this person is charging. How do they get to that level? How, are they actually getting people at that price? And uh, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm saying yes, like shaking my head aggressively, like yes, yeah. people are. And um, yeah, because some of the numbers people have thrown out to me, I'm like, ooh, 
you should definitely be getting paid more. And I mean that in the traditional sense. And I mean that on the content creator side. And I, I think, you know, like I said, confidence speaks, speaks volumes. You throw out a number. Mm -hmm. Yes. Negotiate. But, you know, I think the the way that you, you throw out that number, no one is for the most part going to question it. And most people will be willing to negotiate because that is the point. Um, but Gigi, thank you so much. I had so much fun today. <laughs> I really enjoy the conversation. It sounds like everybody in the discussion room really just enjoy the conversation as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. And then let me see, fly by me slow. Confidence is key. New hires are like startup phone agreements. <laughs> they give you everything up front. Once they have you, they want to nickel and dime you research the pay. I like that. Um, yeah, thank you everyone. Um, thank you for listening. Grateful to be here. And, uh, before we leave the room, I want to remind you to join money moves right here on the Spotify green room every other Wednesday at 10 PM Eastern. We might have a special episode next week, but I will keep you guys updated on my Instagram or other uh, social media uh, platforms. But if you missed a past live room or missing or coming on at the tail end of this room, catching up is easy. Join, just open the Spotify app, search for Money Moves and start listening. And if I don't see you next week, then I will see you all again in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I will talk to you all soon. Bye, Lauren. Thank you. Bye, Bye you had so much fun. Likewise. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. Here's a reminder that you can catch Money Moves Live every other Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, right here on Spotify. If you want to chat with me live or ask a question, all you have to do is download the Spotify Live app, available now on the App Store. Signing up is free, and you can even use your Spotify info to log in. Twice a month, I'm answering questions, sharing tips, and talking through all the ways you can start making money. So what are you all waiting for? Tune in to Money Moves every other Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Can't wait to see you all there.